and welcome to Ending Physician Overwhelm. I'm your host, Dr. Megan Mello. I'm a family and obesity medicine physician, as well as a certified life coach for physicians. In this podcast, we talk about how the learned habits of people-pleasing, perfectionism, and a lack of boundaries show up in our lives and how they contribute to burnout, exhaustion, and overwhelm. The healthcare system is broken, my friends, but let's not wait for it to be fixed in order to feel better. Hello, and welcome to another special guest episode of Ending Physician Overwhelm. I am thrilled to be joined again by one of my past guests, and we were just reflecting. It's been almost two years since we're on the program, but Dr. Latoya loses Simpson, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I was surprised when I look back, and it was 2022. Oh my gosh, where has the time gone? Where is God and what has happened in that time, right? Yeah. And, you know, last time when we spoke, we were having a conversation about your experience as an OBGYN in a large health uh, system, you know, and as an employee physician and all the challenges that come with that. But today, I'm so excited that we get a chance to talk about the difficulties that we encounter as women physician lovers. And you know, kind of how that relates to also some unique challenges, you know, as working women and, and you have been gaining expertise and now helping our community. So I say, thank you. I wish you were there years ago, but let's talk a little bit because something major has happened in your life since you were last on the show a little over two years ago. Tell us about your experience. Yes. So for those who don't know, I am Latoya Lucia Samson. I am originally from Trinidad and Tobago. I went to school at the wonderful Howard University, trained as an OBGYN, and now I live and work in Northern California. And when I was on previously, as Dr. Megan mentioned, I worked in a very large um, health system and had my second burnout at that time. The first was during residency. And then I left and was doing independent contracting. And then I got pregnant and then have since had my baby, which was all planned. But, you know, it was a challenging time. I had a very painful pregnancy. She was very big from the beginning and she still is big. So there was a lot of hip coccyx pain. I actually had to stop working earlier, which was good because I worked for myself. And then I had her with no complications. That was a blessing. But postpartum, you know, I kind of was not taking care of myself. And I went right back into all of the work that I was doing that entrepreneur entrepreneurship enabled me to do. So I was doing social media, my education, my advocacy, all of those things that were really near and dear to my heart, but it was too much too soon. And on the back end, I was still in pain because those pains would just go away when you have the baby. I was resentful that nobody in my house was taking care of me like I sh- thought I should have been taken care of. And I was just exhausted. Right. And eventually I hit a wall and about, it was about three months postpartum and I had to cancel engagements. There was a webinar that I was scheduled to do a week in advance and I had to tell them, sorry, I can't make it. 
And I sat down with my husband and I was like, yeah, I, I need a break. And I'm going to go and take a trip by myself. Y'all be, be cool. I, I will be back. And he was like, what? So he had no idea because, of course, I was having all of these feelings and not telling anyone. So we ended up taking that trip together so that we could reconnect and figure things out. My sister came from Trinidad to help my mom, who was here at the time, take care of my kids. And that's when things kind of started to turn around. And I really started to take care of myself and realize that being angry and resentful about the way that people should take care of me is a fool's errand, right? I can't worry about what others should do, especially when I'm not even providing the correct example. So I... And, then, you know, it's that, it's that, that age-old sort of issue that comes up for us over and over again, that we are the caretakers. We make our work look easy. We look at, we make it seem as though, you know, we live and breathe to take care of others. Yeah. We're very, very good at hiding how we feel emotionally and physically. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You probably, I don't know if you were still doing surgeries, you know, during your pregnancy or doing deliveries, but I imagine that you were, right? Standing there in pain, in belly, no back hurting, right? Probably. Right. Um, You know, and you're still expected to be an amazing surgeon, right? And your competency is still out there on the line in a way that we just don't... We just don't see that challenge. You know, there's not there's not kind of a, a common experience, I think. Yeah. Or that we could compare it to in in men or uh, non pregnant people, right? Yeah. Not to say that everybody should be childbearing, because of course I don't think either one of us you know think that that's true. But we aren't let off the hook, and we are telling people we need help. Yeah. We're just assuming we should know. <laughs> yes, that's a delusion. It's like. You think to yourself, how could you not know? Don't right. you see me? Don't you see? Can't you feel my pain? Like, I mean, yeah. So and I think it's very common for women to just assume that everybody thinks the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. I am seeing this problem, everybody should be seeing it. And right. if you don't comment or change your behavior, it's because you are choosing not to because you see it. Instead, it's probably that they didn't even know what was going on. Right. And it's funny, it makes me think, you know, normal humans, you know, might stop working sooner. You know, they might, you know, they might speak up. Uh, But, you know, our special breed of human, you know, we were taught to push through, right? And we do. And of course, sometimes from an evolutionary perspective, right, that's 100% necessary. And certainly was fostered in us during our training, actually be sort of superhuman all along the way. Yep. But if we step back from that, it makes total sense, right? That no one knew how much you were struggling physically, emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. I especially because I had started doing all these things, I, I went back to quote unquote normal life. Right. So yeah, she's got okay. okay. So you know, you kind of hit those breaking points and you and your husband ended up going away together and thankfully, you know, had support. Tell me sort of what happened after that. Of course, it's not, it's not the end of the story. It is not. And I thought it Never was. <laughs> I thought it was. So I got in with my pelvic floor physical therapist, which was life-changing. She really helped me. And a lot of what I needed was time. But 
I got guidance on how to make that time less painful. Mm-hmm. And I made sure that I was sleeping. I got myself a, a psychotherapist. Like I started doing all these things and I completely disconnected from the social media and all the other things that were just not the priority at that time. And I that's when my focus started to shift in what I was doing. And I said, you know, I really want to focus on the postpartum period with my care and the things that I do. And like you said, I I, I thought that I was good. Mm-hmm. It turns out I was not. So, you know, some of the anxiety, thoughts and feelings persisted, you know, and it just, it was a work in progress. And I think I am glad that I started off with my therapist at that time. I was able to continue with her and continue working and seeing what worked for me. And, you know, it is, it's a work in progress. My daughter was three months when all this started. At eight months, I had different challenges. I had to deal with the breastfeeding and that was a big issue for me with this postpartum period. So it, it it was ongoing, but I knew what I needed to do in that time to make sure that I was okay. So it wasn't perfect, but it was way better than anything I was going through before. And that's such an important part of the story that we don't often hear. You know, we hear a lot about the breaking point, yeah, right? And we, you know, often see pretty pictures of the recovered state, right? Yeah. But there's a lot of messiness in the middle. And you, you never come home from that trip or that break from work or, you know, whatever, whatever that sort of event is, and you're magically six. Like that isn't how humans operate. Yeah. Us. Including these habits they have of not tuning into our needs, not speaking up about our needs, not getting the help that we need or deserve. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about you know, any drama that you might have had around, you know, getting a therapist or working with the pelvic floor PT when you are an OBGYN, you're supposed to know all of these things. Cause I'm sure that there can be components of that too. Yeah. So for some OBGYNs, but I am actually very pro public floor physical therapist. And, you know, it's something that I am glad is becoming more popular in the United States at this time, people are talking more about it because in other countries, it is a staple after you've had a baby. So I really valued the pelvic floor PT that I saw and she came highly recommended for my colleagues actually at the place that I used to work at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she she really helped me and it's something that we don't get trained on as no. OGYNs. Yeah, so I'm a big advocate for letting experts do their expert thing. So, you know, while I, there were some things that I did on my own, it was definitely not, there were so many things that she helped me with. She gave me like a TENS unit and very, very specific exercises to use and things that I just would have never known on my own. Mm-hmm. So I really, really appreciated that part of it. And as far as the therapist, you know, we had done marriage therapy in, in the past Mm-hmm. But I never had a personal therapist. So, well, that's not true. The marriage therapist also did solos for me at, at some point. It was so I can get my insurance to cover it. <laughs> so I had like a couple of So that was kind of a new thing for me and trying to find somebody that fit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it was important 
it was important enough that I didn't give up because yeah. the first person that I found was not a good fit. And I think it could have been very easy to be like, oh, it's over. It's yeah. done. I can't find anybody. Woe is me. Right. Um, so like, I'm, not, I'm not a person for therapy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I made sure that I kept looking and I actually put myself on medication. <laughs> That's why I, sh- I should be admitting this on a podcast. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> right. I didn't, I didn't prescribe it myself. But, you know, as physicians, we can work the system, right? So I was able to get myself prescribed very legitimately through my OB, my medication, because I knew that I needed help. And I knew that this was something that was okay. It was potentially short term. And if it can help me get over this hump that I, I want to try, I didn't like it and I know I didn't give it enough time, but in this whole journey, I was exploring other things that were, you know, more holistic. Mm-hmm. So meditation and exercise and things like that. And those things were working better than the medication. So then I ended up stopping it. But I mentioned the medication to see it's a trap that we can fall into as physicians with self treating, right? Because I should not have done any of those things, but I took it upon myself. Yes. And sometimes I think we interpret getting put on in medications, whether yeah. whatever route we go to, right? We can interpret that as being enough. Yeah. And even if the medication was a good fit for you, like that is not self-care. That is not the same thing as getting you know, exercise, good nutrition, right? The proper supports, all of those things are still important. It's the same conversation that is going on in my obesity medicine treatment world, right? Of, yeah, we've got these amazing new drugs. Yeah, and, you know, the basics still matter. The basics are still important. Yeah, Uh, because I think it's important to highlight, like, yeah, we if we have postpartum depression as de- mm-hmm. as physicians, you know, yes, medications are important, but yes, mm-hmm. also therapy support, you know, more helpful, like all of those, all of those things are critical. Yes, and there's something that you said that I wanted to touch on is that I didn't have postpartum depression; it was postpartum anxiety, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people because it's not talked about, they say, "Well, oh, I'm not depressed." So how I'm feeling isn't okay, but I mean, I'm not depressed, so so it's fine. Yeah. There are so many other things you can be postpartum. You can be anxious. You can have OCD. You can have all of these things. So if you don't feel right, get that explored yeah. because you can be just suffering for no reason. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. 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 Well, we talked a little bit before we started recording, too, about, you know, some of the challenges that physicians face, especially with employed, you know, being an employed physician. You and I now both, you know, have our own businesses. We work independent contractors. You know, we have a different a different set of challenges. But, but talk to us a little bit about some of the issues that you see in physician women who are employed because it's a different set, right? If you had still been employed, you probably would not have had the same flexibility to be able to say, I'm, I'm done, you know, I'm in too much pain. 
that that had other consequences, I'm sure, financially and, yeah. and you know, kind of stress-wise. But talk to us a little bit about what you see. Yeah, so it was what what I was experiencing while I was there because I had a baby while I was employed. Okay. And you know, you're right. I would have had to, you know, work the system to try to get off earlier, but it would have had more consequences then because that means I would get less time off after because you have to ration your time and, you know, do all these things. So for the first one, luckily it was my first pregnancy and I was able to continue working for up until, you know, I had my California leave. But with the second, my plan originally had been to get pregnant and have her and then use all of my maternity leave and then just not go back. So I was at, you know, one of the benefits of being at a large corporate medical place is that you get good benefits. That's how, that's how they keep you. So we're golden handcuffs. Exactly. I was at the point in my career there where I would have been able to take like six months off and it would have been paid. So my goal was to get pregnant. Just if I could just push through and just get pregnant and then just have the baby and then I'll have all this paid time off and then I'll tell them I'm not coming back. And, you know, I couldn't even make it to do that. I was so burnt out. I was so unhappy. But just think about the people who didn't have the benefit of entrepreneurship to just leave without a plan, without a next job, right? They would have stayed, right? They would have continued to hold on in this toxic environment because, you know, I need the insurance for the baby. I need the benefits for my family. I, you know, all of these things. So it's like, it has a hold on you. Mm-hmm. And there's really like, you feel like there's nothing you can do about it. It's a, it's a, I don't want to use like prison jail, you know, kind of terminology, right? Go handcuff, you know, and people may say, well, yeah, but you're lucky to have a job. And that's, that's true to some extent. Like, of course, yeah, you know, there's, there's benefits that we're, you know, we're highly paid relative to other, uh, you know, other professions, but there's a lot of costs too. A lot. Um, and it's difficult to navigate some of those things. And and I certainly see, you know, struggle, you know, with that. And I've, you know, seen colleagues have to go on bed rest and, and yeah. a number of things. And yeah, the, the leaves thing is real and the benefits things are real yeah. You don't always get that. I mean, that, that can be a woman's first experience, right? With, with sort of medicine not letting you back in a very tangible way. Yeah. Um, you, you know, needing extra time off and not being able to get it. Yeah. And then you have the baby, you have your time. If you're a resident, you may not have much time at all. But if you're employed, you have, you say, a couple of months, and then you have to deal with that transition back to work, mm-hmm. where it's a place you may not want to go back to. You may be literally dreading it going back there. And then are they going to accommodate you if you are pumping? Like all of these added things, are you going to get out on time to see the baby? Like there's, there's so many things that continue to be an issue in the container of this place that was burning you out and you didn't want to be in anyway. So it is tough. Yeah. And you've pivoted into supporting women who are transitioning, you know, back to work, they're in postpartum or they have young children and they're navigating that that space of, you know, being a physician, being a mom, you know, plus or minus breastfeeding or, 
you know, older kids going on, what are you seeing and what are you doing to help support those women? Because it's certainly an underserved population (laughs) who feels double pressure, right? Because we're not doing the mom thing well enough and we're not doing the doctor thing well enough. You know, the, the struggle is real. It is. It is so real. And, you know, the best ideas and businesses and, you know, missions in life come from your own personal experience. So I really just wanted to help other women physicians just not have to go through what I went through, or at least to have somebody that can guide them and, you know, point out things that you may not necessarily see. Just learn from my experiences because I'm always like, don't don't do what I did. Don't like you can you can have it better than I did. And two, though I'm not practicing obstetrics, I have been taking care of postpartum women for like over a decade. And that postpartum visit was always like one of my favorite visits because I like to make sure that moms were okay. And at that employed position, I was lucky enough to have, you know, a psychologist right there. She was dedicated to us. So at that visit, I would go, you know, get her. I'm, I'm one of those OBs where I really check your screening. Like, I'm not just like, oh, okay, cool. You're depressed. Bye. You know, so it was always, yeah. You know, this, this period and making sure that moms are well has always been important to me. And I think through my experience, I feel even more conviction in that. I'm really just trying to revolutionize this thinking that, you know, we can put ourselves first and it's okay. And it's actually beneficial to our families to do that. And that's really my core message. Of course, talk about other things as well, outsourcing, getting all the help, your family, your your village, the mental health support, but it all centers around moms being okay, being happy and healthy, joyful and confident so that then you can pour into your family from a full cup. Yeah. When I imagine for not just employed physicians, but for any, you know, physician and of course other perfect, other women, let's just say yes. any, any burning person, right? Yeah. Those things are really crucial, but, you know, sort of being able to reclaim your agency mm-hmm. is so important for us as physicians, I think, yes. coming out of training, right? No one hands us, you know, back our agency and back our ability to, you know, feel like we have any control. Yeah. And it it sounds like that's part of what you're doing is really emphasizing not yes. only is that important, but it's also good for everyone. Yes. When mom is well, not just when her boobs are working, not just when she's, you know, getting some sleep or right. you know, able to stand and cook or what, you know, like whatever. Right. But she is well. Yes. And not just well, but fulfilled. So the, a lot of, what I see and what society tells us is that mom should get lost in motherhood. Like you should give completely of yourself for these children up until they leave the house. I'm like, that's 18 years, people. What are we, what are we, what are we doing here? So, you know, really knowing who you are and feeding and nourishing and loving that person, I think is very, very important. And that's, you know, where you talk about the agency you know, who, who are you apart from being a mother? 
And is that person getting the care and the time that it needs so that you feel good about yourself and you know who you are? I think it's it's really important. And it's not just important. It is essential, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Oh, just wishing we could go back in time and we could, you know, finally be there for me and you and, and just about every other mom physician. Yeah. Is there anything else so for, you know, for the, the women who are listening, for, you know, the physicians who have young children in particular, or when they've recently had a baby and they're listening to our conversation, what do you think is the most important thing that you want them to know right now? To take time for yourself. And that could look in a look a couple different ways. You know, self-care is like a buzzword now, but I really mean it. And when I say self-care, taking a shower is not self-care. It is great if I can do it. And I'm happy for you that you have the time to do it, but that does not count. Like actual time alone, just so that you can be not touched. Nobody needs anything from you. You are just existing for yourself. That time, it is very important for your mental, physical health. And if you do nothing else, just do that. You can start small with five minutes alone in your room with a sign on the door saying, do not disturb. And then work yourself up to a weekend away in a hotel somewhere, (laughs) you know, just with your thoughts, you know. I don't expect you to get there right away, but just being alone with your thoughts and, you know, seeing who who am I? Am I happy? Am I okay? Because you also need that time to assess, like, how you're feeling, right? Mm-hmm. You, a lot of fans yeah. don't have the time to figure out what's going on. Yeah. So I think that is, like, my number one thing, and it's the lowest barrier to entry. It's free. Right. You know, it's not like go hire somebody. It yep. is just take some time for yourself. It's that is what we need to hear. And that five minutes can sound like, what's that going to do? What's that going to do? You know, it's forming the president yes. for you. Yeah. Allowed, having the space. Even, yeah, even if you're just like breathing and noticing yeah. your body. Yeah. Noticing your emotions. That is a skill that we don't do enough of in general. Probably most humans, but especially us who've been taught to ignore our bodies and our thoughts and our feelings. Yeah. Um, it's the place that we start. And yes. small, steady things that we can do over and over again are the things that are going to make the difference. Yes. And as you say, it, it's really building the foundation for motherhood ahead. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you start doing these things as early as a couple months postpartum, you're going to set a precedent for the rest of your journey. And, you know, that's why when I speak, so many moms with older children like yourself are like, oh, it resonates so much. It's because it's the same issues, right? Yeah. That you, you can't get time for yourself and all those things. And it seems radical because in postpartum, you just had this baby, you literally are giving of yourself if you decide to breastfeed. Or even if you had the baby from your body, you're right. giving of yourself. So to say, you know, take some of it back, take it, you know, it may seem kind of, you know, radical, but just think of it as setting that foundation for the rest of your journey as a mother. And it is, it's important. And that just makes me think too, 
And I'll just add this as the mom of kids who are a little bit older than yours. When you are used to doing that when they are young, it will be less hard to do that when they are older and they protest and they go, oh, but, you know, aren't you going to do this with me? Because that's normal. Yeah. And, and so many of the, the people that I talk to, you know, feel like, well, is my kids complaining or my kids unhappy or my kids bored? My job is to entertain them. And, you know, I think I definitely advocate for quality time, you know, like, yeah. hey, let's, have, let's have quality time because we probably don't have quantity time kids, you know, with our jobs being as they are. Uh, but if you don't start seeing your time for yourself as being important, yeah, you know, from wherever you start, no matter how old your kids are, you won't make progress because there's always going to be someone else wanting your time. Yep. Even if, you know, the baby's crying. As long as the baby's in yeah. the same place or, right. you know, like, that's okay. Baby can cry. Even yeah. if your kids are, you know, pounded the door. <laughs> driving you crazy. Like, yeah, still like yeah. yearning that, yeah, mom takes time for herself. Yes. Rewarded, even if they don't like it. Yeah. And it's going to set a precedent for them as well. And their right. relationships going forward. Right. For young women, you know, you see that women take breaks, even when they're a mother and for young men, oh my, this is okay for my wife to take breaks and to take care of herself. Yeah. And, you know, my caveat, of course, we speak in heteronormative terms, but all inclusive to yeah. all people. But the those things are important for your children as well. It's not just for you. Right. And they can protest all they want now. Right. Later, they will appreciate it. Um, because you and I have both certainly encountered, you know, women who have grown up seeing their moms sacrifice. Uh, and that, and that was me too. My mom, love you. <laughs> um, you know, seeing the women in their family often, you know, sacrificing, putting it all out there, working so hard at taking very little for themselves. And we know the impression that leaves on us. Yeah. If we want differently for our children, we're going to have to be the ones who take that brave step to do it, even though it's uncomfortable at the time. Yeah. 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 You have to set the example. And, you know, some, I still see in, you know, our Facebook groups and things like that, people talk about, you know, they just have 18 summers or they await to travel until the kids are out of the house. And it's like you mentioned with the quality of time, I'm not advocating to not spend time with your children. And the little bit of time you have should be high quality, no phone, all of that. But this idea that you have to put your life completely on hold until house, I just, I can't get behind that. I just, yeah. just can't. I'm with you. Other <laughs> opinions, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, um, tell anyone who's listening and, you know, is wondering how to get in touch with you, wondering, you know, kind of what support you can give them. But tell, how can people find you? Yeah. Really, I'm passionate about revolutionizing this postpartum journey for physician moms. And in that period where your postpartum, beyond postpartum, any young child, and you have that feeling of anxiety, resentment, you may actually be happy or you may be struggling, but there's always, you can always be better. You could be more confident, more joyful. I really am passionate about helping women in that stage just improve 
their lives. And if you are interested in working with me to achieve that, you can go to my website, Dr. Toya Coaching. So it's D-R-T-O-Y-A coaching.com and schedule a call. Let's talk about how we can work together. And I would love to hear from you. We'll have links to that in the show notes, make it really easy for people to find you. The famous Dr. Toya, thank you so much. For anybody who doesn't follow her on social media, please start following her. You can learn all kinds of important uh, gems, uh, medical and otherwise. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I didn't mention my social media. So yes, follow me on all the places. So if you want OBGYN advice, Dr. Toya OBGYN, if you want to hear more, you're still not sure about this whole motherhood thing. Follow me on Dr. Toya MD or on Facebook, Latoya Lucia Samson. I will convince you. I will convince you to take time alone. I will convince you to take a vacation with your partner by yourself. Just give me time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, joining us again. And uh, lovely to see you as always. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure as always. All right, my friends. Well, thank you so much as always for tuning in. And until next week, we'll see you. Bye. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you as always for listening. To learn more about my coaching programs, head to www.healthierforgood.com. And if you love this podcast, please drop us a review on iTunes or support the show by clicking the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.